0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pump the Brakes Formula 1 podcast. I am Ted Tebwayne Jarvis and here with me is nobody. Unfortunately, Chester is too busy to join us today, so um, it will just be me with us. But we move on forwards as indeed is the Formula 1 season. Now, in after 10 races, it was after 9 races, sorry, it was beginning to look a little bit like Red Bull were going to run away with this season. Um, incredibly. Uh, after the incredible dominance of Mercedes in prior years. But we saw through Monaco and Azerbaijan, basically the Red Bull just had better balance. They got the car together a lot more in combination with the tyres. They just got it to work a lot better, especially through those slow speed corners. And then we saw again in that just almost really disastrous triple header, France and then the two races in Austria, we just saw the Merc really struggle in the slow speed corners to get the car turned. They just couldn't get on the power quick enough, especially on that Turn 3 um, in Austria. Um, and then we also saw them just be far too slow in the straights. Um, and we'll, really, there were also some questions asked. And it was obvious the Red Bull had a stronger car, especially in those triple header races. But there were also questions about Mercedes strategy and how well they were utilizing the strengths that they did still have in the car, uh, we saw with Max him really focusing through the corners on getting the best exit possible to utilize the low down force, especially we saw it with great effect on the French Grand Prix um, along the the huge straight that they have there, which i 've just momentarily forgotten the name of but uh, and then we saw Hamilton very uncharacteristically look very nervy with the car and and just seem not to be able to utilise the the high downforce benefits throughout that corner um, to make up time. And then, of course, in the French Grand Prix in particular, there were also questions about Mercedes' race strategy. Um, there, in you know, not to uh, to be stereotypical about things too much, but. It did seem that their German sensibilities to trust the computer, to trust the data above all else, perhaps um, made them have less less of a chance of winning that in their just fixedness on sticking to that one-stop strategy rather than the two-stop, which worked better for the Red Bulls and potentially could have given them a chance of holding on to the win there at the end. So there were real questions being asked, and I was getting worried that Red Bull, that we might see you know we would obviously see mercedes um do better or worse at certain races but i was worried that mercedes might really drop off um and red bull might run away with it the rest of the season but thankfully how wrong i was because if nothing else and there definitely were many other conclusions and interesting talking points of this race but if nothing else the one uh, main conclusion is the Mercedes are back. Um and perhaps more importantly, Lewis Hamilton is back back. His brilliance came to the to the fore um to, to an incredible extent. Um just overall, in the way he was driving, we saw him taking different lines through different corners um to to, to get to be the fastest, uh, something which he has utilized so well throughout his corner, that ability to change how he drives it. Most um, most notably in this race, through Luffield, that big, long right-hand corner, he goes out a lot wider than other drivers, but manages to stay on the limit there to carry as much speed as possible through the corner, and then through other corners, we saw him do other things slightly differently, especially through Maggots and Becketts. So it looked like he had his race grasp back, um, he had his thinking back. This is definitely a track that he he loves a lot, but also, it was clear he had a car beneath him that he could trust. Um, Mercedes, very quite strangely, a complete opposite of in the previous three races, they had much better, they were much better on the straights than the Red Bull um, with their changed strategy of having lower downforce and that made a huge difference. And they were also better through slow speed corners. That was really the major difference um, between the Red Bull and the Mercedes cars. So they made the changes where they needed to. And um, a lot of the preconceptions we were starting to have throughout the previous races have now been swung on their heads. Um, as the areas where Red Bull was stronger in, in those uh, in the slow corners and on the straights, Mercedes now had the advantage this week. So I'll talk a little bit more about why that may be, whether that could continue for the rest of the season. The short answer is we don't really know, but um, overall the brilliance of Hamilton was definitely one takeaway from this weekend. Uh, But also another key takeaway was the brilliance of Verstappen, which looked like for a lot of the weekend was going to top that of Hamilton. Hamilton obviously got off to a great start in the qualifying, Um, he was right on the limit there throughout that lap as we saw on his final lap which actually wasn't the fastest in the end him just going a little bit deep uh, sorry having a bit of oversteer in the second last corner um, but that just it just epitomised how much he was on the limit how much he was pushing the car but he also had the car to go with it, uh, in, the, in the hot conditions of qualifying um, which was another misconception that turned on its head uh, where the Red Bull were the ones who were getting their car to work in the hot conditions in previous uh, races this season. But in this race, it was the Mercedes again. So it was incredible, the different things that were going on here. But, so Verstappen probably would have been pretty disappointed with himself after the qualifying. But then in the sprint, um, that was a truly perfect start, really. He... um, it looked a bit touch and go there for a while. With the his brakes were actually on fire, um, going off from second on the grid, but really, as I think it was Martin Brundle remarked at the time, that could have been a ploy. Maybe not for them to be on fire so much, but to get a lot of heat into the front tyres to maximise that start. Um, and it was very clear that that uh, that that worked because he got off to an incredible start, straight past Hamilton. Hamilton perhaps not getting so good a start, and then, but more remarkably for Verstappen, Hamilton was coming, he was taking a wide line, um, he was positioning his car well, first through Village, and then through the loop, to get, to maximize, to get, um, to to square off his car and get on the straight, to use that power um, advantage that the Mercedes had, but Max, held his position remarkably well and especially through Woodcut um, as he went around onto the, the old pit straight there really it, it was actually a, it wasn't spoken about as much as it potentially should have, this move but um, if you go back and look at the replays on my Twitter page um, there are all sorts I've, I've put a a couple of photos there but it was remarkably similar to Hamilton's later infamous overtake, which we'll speak about in a second. But he really threw it up the inside there, got very close to Hamilton, really just incredible, um brave and um very bold racecraft to keep hold of the position and he did. Um and then with the tires going surprisingly quickly, um, and the Silverson Stirken not particularly easy for overtaking, um, it was uh, from then onwards he was able to hold on and start from pole position and we'll speak about what happened in that in the race in a second some other notable occurrences in the sprint were alonzo's incredible late breaking uh, into abbey and then into village it was just absolutely remarkable seeing that it was a bit of a risk really because it was incredibly late and he did get very close to going right into the side of a of numerous cars there but it came off and overall as I'll speak about later it was a fantastic weekend for Alonso who is in the words of um, Alpine back to his incredible best from bygone years um, and I'm beginning to agree because he's putting in some great performances uh, both in races and in qualifying now. Uh, so it, it's just, it's a pleasure to have him back in the sport, really. Um, and then also in the sprint, Norris with a textbook example of how to overtake at Village over, um, I forget who it was actually now. It might have been, might have been, oh, yes, it, it was Alonzo, actually. Um, bringing him down one position there. But Norris, who is also having an incredibly consistent season, um, obviously we saw about that it was a record number of points finishes for any McLaren driver stretching over the back end of last season and into this season thus far as well. Um, and I think a key thing about Norris, and that this overtaking move shows as well, is that he never misses out on opportunities he never whenever there's a chance for an overtake he gets it done whenever his car is performing well he puts it as close as or if not closer to the top of the grid as possible um he never misses out on a chance he just has that ruthlessness this year that all the very best drivers do have but anyway on to the race um for this week and, well, we all know what I'm going to be talking about because it was the most dramatic um, and perhaps it will turn out to be the most consequential single uh, event of the past number of Formula One seasons. And that was, of course, Hamilton, after having a great battle through the first six or seven corners, with Verstappen crashing into him at Stowe, at Cops, sorry, um, going in right there on the inside, very late braking, going off the racing line, as we know, and um, it ending up with a 51G contact of Verstappen's red ball with the barriers on the outside. What is my view on this subject? Well, it may be controversial to a few, but I think that this is a racing incident. And here's why. This season, this, this sort of overtake going in the inside was not the first time this had been tried this season. And it was not a futile manoeuvre because it has been used to great success by Verstappen on numerous occasions, most in particular at Imola on the first lap. It was a different sort of corner, Um, it was a chicane, but he got right up and inside there, and um, at the same also, as I was speaking about earlier, in the sprint race at Woodcat. And here's the crucial fact about how the drivers have been reacting to these sort of moves this season. Well, Hamilton and Verstappen, at least. There's been a precedent this season that it has been for the outside driver when dive bombed by someone, but by the someone in the inside. Well, at least for Lewis Hamilton when he's been dive bombed by Verstappen on the inside there, when Verstappen has got up at least halfway up the car um, or further, for Lewis Hamilton on the outside to slow down and go wide and not so much give up the position, but be careful, give them more room than than that one car's width allow for a potential mistake of going wide at the apex, missing the apex, and then try and cut back and get him afterwards, you know. And, you know, you may say this is just tactical, but that's been the precedent. That's how Hamilton has been um, acting this season. That's that's what what he's been trying to do. And Verstappen dramatically broke that precedent in this race by not slowing down and not going wider but actually after seeing Hamilton be right there up the inside decide to turn in on him aggressively to hit hit right on the apex of the corner if not before it um, to what could only possibly have been an attempt to play chicken with Hamilton and get him to back out of the overtake so in my mind, Max has to hold at least a certain element of fault in this matter because it would have been expected by Lewis that Max would go wider at this position. And Max didn't have to turn in like that. He didn't have to to stay on the speed. He didn't have to try and go perfectly on that corner. So he holds some exact fault. And indeed, I think it would be a bit ludicrous for the driver who actually did initiate the contact with the turn in um, to not hold any fault at all in the matter. But, of course, on the other side of the coin, Lewis did also have some fault for for missing the apex. He he was obviously going to miss the apex, he ran wide there, and he did make the crash more likely um, by doing that. But, in all honesty, that was to be expected with that sort of move, so you may say, well, then you can't do that move then. But the reality is that if Max hadn't have turned in, they probably wouldn't have crashed. If they had, well, then Lewis is completely at fault. But that second element, the Max's part that he played in the situation is completely different. Uh, completely changes it. It completely changes it. I uh, just to look in more depth at Max's overtaking the sprint at Woodcote. I've, I've put some photos up on Twitter about it, as I said, and if you look at where he's positioned his car, he is never ahead of Hamilton going around that corner, and he does indeed miss the apex a little bit as well. But Hamilton, Hamilton as a safe driver would, a driver who is not um, risking at all to stay in front, he, he went wide. As I said, and he had him off, but it was no different. The actual mechanics of where the cars were positioned was no different in that corner than it was with Hamilton's attempted at overtake at cops so for me, it's a racing incident. It was two drivers who were unwilling to back out who were playing chicken with each other, and this is what you would expect and I think if you If you look in in detail at the penalty that the stewards did give Hamilton. They were very close to this this um, analysis of the of the event as well. If Hamilton was at fault and completely at fault, well, then a ten second penalty would not be sufficient to um, reflect the the damage caused and to reflect that he caused a considerable crash, a fifty one g crash, um, and. So, I think that in legal terms, the stewards found that Max had at least contributory negligence or contributory fault in causing this crash, which negated the, well, lessened the, the uh the penalty that could be given to Hamilton. So that's not quite the same as saying it's a racing incident that you know they had equal fault, but it's, I think it's obvious that they did find that there was at least a degree to which this crash was not caused completely by Hamilton. Now, so now that we've had that covered, oh, actually, just one final thing on that. I'm just reading here, we've got, you know, some breaking news here, but I'm just reading that Red Bull claims that they've got new evidence in this situation. It's becoming more and more like some sort of, you know, investigation here, some kind of... True crime show, really, with Hamilton being portrayed very much as a, you know, a, a very, you know, Sherlock Holmes style villain. Um. There's new evidence to say that Lewis was going too fast in the into the corner, of cops, and he was never going to be able to even make the corner, let alone make the apex. So they're saying that his positioning of the car was could only possibly have caused a crash and. You know if that's the case well then it is it's probably reckless driving now you probably have to look at detail of this at this you know where where in the in the corner are they saying that Lewis was going too fast Um, how how do they determine that he couldn't have made the corner Um, even if it means you know he, he would have had to break a lot and potentially lock up or something you know it's a big thing to say that you can't possibly make the corner that's a big thing to predict but there's interesting news and i'm sure we have not heard the end of this uh of the of, of the talk and the discussion and the different opinions on this crash um that's one thing that is for sure so it will be very interesting to follow it in the weeks coming up but as for the rest of the race um it was an interesting race but Unfortunately, and of course it was fantastic first of all to see Hamilton come back from that 10 second penalty, aided greatly by Bottas um, in allowing him through as he did, but then to chase down Leclerc uh, ahead of predictions really, I saw, I think it was about with 12 laps to go in the race, um, the the prediction that they they have on, on Sky F1 was that, in 11 laps, Lewis would catch um, Max. And then the next one that came up, it was only nine laps. And I think in the end, he did catch him in only nine laps. So um, it was in, it was obvious that Lewis was getting all he could out of the car and got past him really on the first opportunity, which was eerily similar to the Verstappen crash, really. But this time he did make the apex, and I think Leclerc... Gave him a lot of room there, obviously. Potentially got a little bit spooked about it, but, um, you know, that's, that, that's an overtake, and Lewis did what he needed to do. He won the race. Uh, But in the rest of the field, unfortunately, a lot of the exciting battles were affected a bit by pit stop dramas, um, basically handing positions off. Most notably, Norris... We were denied of a Norris-Bottas fight, which could have been very interesting there, and... Could have had real effect on Lewis's ability. Well, it probably would have um, stopped Lewis from being able to get back ahead, really, if Norris was in third position and not Bottas. Um, But Norris's long pit stop meant that Bottas got straight ahead. And then when that fight... A similar thing happened with Science not being able to fight um, Ricardo because of a long pit stop as well. Um... In the end, we did see a bit of a, a fight with him, but it could have been a better race. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, some things happening. here, but that's the sport, really. Um, and then another probably notable course that went a little bit under the radar for me was Perez, after fighting for a long time with Kimi Raikkonen to try and get ahead. At the, the veil chicane, really squeezing him into the corner and forcing him into a spin, really, In what was a bit of a questionable move, um, that's for sure. Uh, And, you know, coming off two different penalties, sets of penalties last race, which led Marco to say that he occurred more penalty seconds than he did points in the race, um, which was perfectly true and, you know, something that Marco has only, only Marco can. He uh, can say something like that. But, you know, it begs the question of, of if Perez is becoming a, a bit of a, a... Could actually be the dirtiest... Well, not really dirty, but the the most ruthless driver on the grid at the moment in, in being willing to, to to push people off the track uh, on successive occasions here. So that's a, another little interesting... Uh, little interesting... Progression that's going on in this season and we'll see how that does progress um, but I like to see it I like to see a bit of ruthlessness from Perez and as a second driver at Red Bull there's been a, a, a dire lack of that um, in the last few years Driver of the day for me would probably have to be after the obvious of Hamilton Kimi Räikkönen who on two successive occasions throughout the race held off Perez um for I think it was over 10 laps the first time and about as long the second time as well um, uh, and at once it was wheel to wheel he was able to hold him off, Perez would get ahead but then Reichnor positioned himself well to get back ahead through another corner um, it was exciting racing and Kimi showed the, the wy, wiry old fox that he is has still got um, a lot of fight with him Lance Stroll was another one who performed very well. Another good comeback drive. Um, who has been? He started 15th. He was 15th after the qualifying um, on Friday. Um, then after struggling a bit um, in the first practice, just with the balance of the car, they had to change it up completely. Um, he said it was improved in qualifying, but probably wasn't quite used to that new setup. Didn't have enough laps on it. That was really the jeopardy of the new set up that they had this weekend but then gained one position in the sprint race and then went from 14th to 8th in the actual race um, which is another classic comeback drive from him um, and he's becoming one of the most, he's probably one of the most consistent drivers this season um, in both qualifying and well not so much in qualifying, he does need to Vettel's I think started to get the, the wooden hem of a bit in most races there, but he's always doing a good job for Aston Martin in having good race pace throughout. He he's not the most exciting driver in terms of overtakes, but he's always thereabouts. He doesn't make many mistakes at all nowadays. Um, and you know, questions over whether is whether he is worth his place on the grid or not, uh, you know, they're all gone now after a few good years. And then a final one in terms of the driver of the day was Alonzo again, um, who actually did a good overtake on Stroll after Stroll initially got ahead at a pit stop um, as part of his run from 11th to 7th in the sprint race and then holding 7th um, in the actual race. Uh, a good weekend for him who said that Alpine's race pace was very strong, um, comfortably ahead of those behind them. And some of the the data on the the pace of our even in the practices as well, shows that they are thereabouts with with uh, Aston Martin. They're probably ahead of Aston Martin, and even thereabouts with McLaren actually um, through certain corners. But they're probably just not quite there with the qualifying. They can't get it together for one lap. But it probably doesn't look it. It probably looks worse than it is for our this season. Um, and I think they're one to look out for in the new regulations. Uh, they they've got um, a lot of money behind them, um, and Alonso, who was driving very very well this season, um, and I think they you would expect them definitely to be there about next season. For the flop of the day would we'll have to be with great sadness Sebastian Vettel, um, who had who was looking very good in qualifying, and in the sprint, uh, getting up to... Uh, in 10th in qualifying, and then getting up to 8th in the sprint, but then it was just a woeful spin that he had, trying to hold position on Alonso around the left um, and into Woodcut. Uh It was just one of those ones where he put down to power too early and just as if there was some magical wizard who pushed him over just almost went into the barriers um, just of his all his own accord and then for the rest of the day he had heating issues for the car and it just went from bad to worse really so a a forgettable day for vettel um and probably representative of the one blight in him throughout his career, career and something which is stopping which has stopped him probably from Challenging Hamilton um, in the in the fight to be the greatest of his career, uh, of this era in just making a few too many mistakes. Now it is timed for the segment you all enjoy so much, and that is pump the brake. We're pumping the brakes this week on. First helmet, Marco. Then Christian Horner, and then even Max Verstappen's comments on the crash of this weekend. Helmet um, called for Lewis Hamilton to be banned following it. Christian said that it was a hollow victory, um, and that it was dirty driving by Lewis Hamilton. And then Max said that it was disrespectful. Um, the celebrations that occurred for winning the race while he was in hospital. The last one, overplaying potentially a little bit, um, you know, the injury caused by him. Obviously, it was a horrible crash. It would have been absolutely horrible for Verstappen, but thankfully, because of the good safety technology that we have in Formula 1 these days, there was no, the you know, potentially a little bit of dizziness, but apart from that, he was fine, and the hospital was just let's be honest for it, it it was just a precaution it was just something they do these days it wasn't he wasn't really in hospital you wouldn't say so i think they've just gone a bit beyond the mark here they've missed the mark a little bit uh, the red bull team here it's understandable that they're they're feeling very affected by this um and there would have been definitely a level of shock and, and fear for Verstappen after the crash, but it's nobody is is suggesting that Max was it was completely unavoidable for Verstappen, um, this crash. He definitely played a role in it, and there was nothing deliberate about Hamilton's action at all. Um was a little bit reckless, potentially a little bit, but so was Verstappen's action and isn't that what we want? Racing is reckless. It's a reckless sport. if you want If you want a safe and you know considered occupation, don't become a racing driver or don't follow racing. Racing is reckless. that's why it is exciting. That's why um, it brings the drama that it does so often. So um the red Bull team here, they really do need to pump the brakes and just have a, have a look at, at the broader context. Just take a step away from it and see what actually did happen here, what actually is the result of it. It's probably not as bad as you are saying. And now, in our anything, something, or nothing at all segment, we're asked the significance of this crash in the context of the championship fight, this reason. Is it anything, something, doesn't signify anything, something or nothing at all. For me, I say, oh, hang on a second, we've uh, (laughs) I was just wondering why that segment name didn't really make any sense here, because it's supposed to be everything, something or nothing at all, actually. Um, And I am saying that this race meant, this crash, meant everything in the context of this fight, because, ladies and gentlemen, in the words of the great Michael Jordan, it just got personal. Max Verstappen has taken this personally. The Red Bull team has taken this personally, and Lewis Hamilton, if his comments after the race or anything to go by, has also taken this personal. This is no longer the, the 2018 Vettel-Hamilton fight, or... That Or any of the Ferrari those sort of ones where we always sort of expected that the front runner was going to win. This has suddenly become a twenty sixteen Nico Rosberg versus North Hamilton fight now um and with the cost caps the the crash could have an even greater effect than usual because you know potentially they're going to have to have used parts now, used a gearbox that they might not have um in the future. They might not be able to do certain developments that they were expecting to do because of the cost of rebooting this car after this crash. So even just on a logistical level, it is a, a hugely significant fight. Um, but I don't think we're going to see much respect between these drivers anymore. It's going to going to get reckless. Um, we may not see huge crashes like this too often because they're both incredible drivers, but we're going to see on the edge driving. We're going to see some big, overtaking moves. Um, we're going to see excitement, ladies and gentlemen. I really hope I'm not overplaying this year, but I don't think I am. Uh, it's looking to be a fantastic rest of the season. And we've still got, hopefully, 13 races to go. This is nowhere near done this season. But looking forward in our final segment for this podcast, where we have greatly missed Chester. And my voice is, is slightly dying here. Um, without his dulcet tones, um, to 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 play second fiddle <laughs> um, in this podcast, we we end the podcast, looking forward to the next race um, in Hungary, uh, a race track where Mercedes have always done very well. Also, uh, famously lapping everybody except for Verstappen and Bottas. Hamilton did uh, a couple of seasons ago. Um, A track that is often made for quite boring racing, you might say. But in this season, it's never boring because of how close... Even if the rest of the Packers is boring, it's never boring who's going to win the race this season because of how close the fight is between Verstappen and Hamilton. But... My looking forward for this week and my prediction for this week is that McLaren are going to have a good race weekend with some new upgrades apparently coming to their car. Um, And that seems like a pretty safe bet with the number of good race weekends they've had this year, really. Um, But this could be a one where we see them fighting for a podium uh, right up the top. there, potentially doing something unexpected in qualifying especially so we've got much more to look forward to in less than two weeks time thank you very much for being with us in this podcast today um keep listening keep looking on the lhp motorsports twitter page um and above all keep enjoying formula one because we have a season on our hands here from ted and jarvis it is goodbye